Welcome to Fitter and Faster. My name is Emma-Kate Lidberry, your host and managing editor here at Triathlete Magazine. Each month on Fitter and Faster, we tackle one triathlon training topic in depth, giving you everything you need to know. This month, it's the beginner's guide to try. Everything you need to get started in triathlon, from how to approach training, picking your first race, how to fuel well, prevent injuries, and plenty more. After we've covered some of the basics, we'll be chatting with author, nutritionist, and coach Matt Fitzgerald about getting started with training as a newbie, as well as the basics of fueling for try and some insights into injury prevention for those coming into the sport. We'll also be joined by coach Morgan Lattimore, who has helped scores of beginners get the most from the sport. Dub the people's coach, Morgan thrives on helping athletes get the most from themselves and achieving their potential. He is huge on mindset and has some great tips for athletes of all experience levels, so stay tuned for that. And of course, it would not be fitter and faster without our gear section with our senior editor and resident gear guru, Chris Foster. He'll be joining us later to get you set up with all the gear you need when you're first starting out in this crazy sport. All of that after this short break. Want in-depth gear reviews, training stories on the latest science, exclusive content, discounts, and more? Then check out ActivePass. Our ActivePass membership gives you a magazine subscription, two VeloPress books, and access to all of our sister brands, including Velo News, Podium Runner, Yoga Journal, Women's Running, and plenty more. Go to triathlete.com backslash ActivePass. That's triathlete.com backslash ActivePass to find out more. So hopefully by now you know that triathlon involves swim, bike, and run, almost always in that order, but often different distances. Races range in distance from sprint through to Ironman, with a sprint distance race involving a 750-meter swim, a 12-mile or 20k bike, and a 3-mile or 5k run, with the next step up being an Olympic distance race, which involves a 1,500-meter swim, 25-mile ride, and a 6.1-mile or 10k run. If you're going to step it up again, it's the half Ironman distance or the 70.3 distance as it's known, that number referring to the total number of miles you cover in the race across swim, bike and run, which is a 1.2 mile swim, 56 miles on the bike and a half marathon or 13.1 mile run. And then of course there's the biggie, the Ironman, the full distance, which is a 2.4 mile swim, 112 miles on the bike and then a marathon run. And it's the Ironman World Championship held in Kona, Hawaii every year that most people think of when they think of Ironman. So how does it all work? Well, the clock starts when the gun goes and you'll swim, you'll exit the water, hit transition, also known as T1, where you'll literally transition from swim to bike. You'll then head out on the bike, you ride, hit transition two, T2, where you transition from bike to run, and then it is full gas to the finish line. The clock doesn't stop throughout this entire time, so your transition times are included. And you can, of course, change outfits as many times as you like, but most people opt to wear the same thing for the entire race, usually a one-piece tri-suit or a two-piece, and we'll, of course, touch on that in our gear section later. Now, while most beginners are encouraged to start with a sprint, or even shorter, maybe, like a super sprint, of course, you don't have to. You can throw yourself in at the deep end with an Ironman as your first race, and while most coaches would advise against doing that, plenty of people still do. And of course, many people come into triathlon with experience in usually one or more of the three sports. For example, when a runner gets injured, they might take up cycling or swimming to stay fit, and before they know it, they're signing up for their first try. 
Of course, your experience and ability in each of the three sports will help shape how you approach your training. If you're someone who's been swimming since you're a kid, you might not need to spend as much time in the water as someone who is just learning to swim. Likewise, if you're a seasoned runner, you might decide to dedicate more training time to swimming and cycling when you first start out. Now, Matt Fitzgerald is a guy who knows a thing or two about getting started in try. He is a coach, nutritionist, and author of more than 20 books in the endurance space. So we're going to chat with Matt about how best to start out. Matt Fitzgerald, welcome to Fitter and Faster. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Doing all right. It's great to be with you. Yeah. We know, uh, obviously, as an author and a, a coach and a nutritionist, we, we uh, know you know a lot about triathlon. And uh, you're uh, obviously a great resource for uh, people who are just starting out in the sport. And you've helped a lot of people who are just starting out in the sport. Um, do you want to tell us how, how long ago was it that you did your first triathlon? Um, my first triathlon was, boy, coming up on 25 years ago, 1998. So, um, yeah, I grew up as a runner and then uh, decided to yeah. branch out into triathlons. I would have been in my late 20s then. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So it's been a little yeah. while. You've uh, probably amassed some knowledge. You know, in, in those 20 plus or nearly 30 books you've written, as um there's plenty of knowledge in there. And so I know when you're starting out in triathlon, one of the things that people find quite overwhelming is managing the yep. training and knowing where to start. Um, what's, how do you approach that with, with newcomers? What's your advice on starting out with triathlon training? Yeah, you know, I think triathlon training is really only complex in the details. Um, on the level of principles, it, it's not all that complex. So yeah, it's three sports. Mm -hmm. um, but you want balance of, among the three. Um, so whether you've come from a background in one of those three sports or you're just coming in cold, maybe you're a high school basketball player, um, you want to train with about equal frequency in all three sports. In terms of how much total time you devote to them, um, you can sort of look at how time is balanced in an actual triathlon race where you would spend about half mm -hmm. the, your time on the bike and so even though you might want to train with equal frequency, you know, say two swims, two rides, two runs a week, um, you should amass more time on the bike just because it, you're going to get more bang for the buck. Uh, and then, you know, yeah. kind of balance swimming and running. Um, and then the other thing in terms of uh, that same principle of balance is intensities. Like the, the single most common mistake athletes make when they first start is doing everything unintentionally at, at sort of a moderate intensity. And what, what, to mm -hmm. avoid that mistake, you, you want to follow what I call, well, I, I didn't invent it, the 80-20 principle, where 80% of your training is at a truly low intensity, and that's a conversational pace. Yeah. Um, and 20%, you're kind of re really getting after it. And that 20% that goes a long way. So if you like to go fast, uh, you get to do that, but you, you'll um, most people do kind of an unconscious 50-50 thing, spending half their time in right. no man's land. So it's balance, balance among the three disciplines and balance of training intensities and, and you'll be off to a good start with the, with that principle absolutely absolutely and if somebody's um with that in mind though if somebody's coming in as a runner say and so they've got a they're you know they're running with some history and background in that sport um is that something you'd still would you advise them spending more time concentrating on swimming and biking or how how does it you know same with a cyclist or a swimmer coming in yeah, yeah another, probably the second most common mistake that, that uh, beginners make is, especially if they do come from a background in one of the three sports, is actually focusing on the one they're already good at because 
Yes. You, you know, yeah. you might think it would be the opposite. I mean, I guess common sense would be you, you spend the most time in what you're worst at. Um, I tend to, I tend to, no, no matter what your background is, I, I tend to recommend that people balance their training the same way, regardless of their background. Because you don't really want to get weak mm-hmm. in your strong discipline. You don't want to let yeah. it slide, but you yeah. do have some work to do in your weakest discipline. The exceptions can be periods when maybe you don't have a race on the horizon and it could be a good time to focus on what you're not as good at. Um, but generally yeah. when you're sort of, when you have a race out, out there and you're trying to get ready for it, you, you, you want to be about equally well prepared in all three disciplines. So um, yeah, yeah. Kind of a, kind of a one size fits all in, in that regard. Yeah. 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 And I'd say like a, a common pattern that you often see is that if you are a, a runner, for example, you, I think it's just human nature. Uh, it's just natural that you want to keep doing what you're good at and what you yep. enjoy and what you have a history yep. in. Um, especially, and then if you, I think one thing that's particularly common for beginners is if you're new to swimming and learning how to swim, especially, you know, somebody, if you're learning as an adult, like that's something you do not want. It's, it's not always that enjoyable, especially to start out with. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's very easy and you see that pattern a lot in triathletes. They bike and run a lot and they don't, they tend to swim. There's like an afterthought if they've not come from that right. background. So yeah, it's something to be, I think it's a, a good blind spot to be aware of is that, you know, you might, you might have a natural tendency to do things you're good at, at the cost of other, you know, the things that you kind of suck at or you find hard, whatever. I think a helpful mindset for, for people that, you know, just kind of keep in the, the forefront throughout the process is, you know, you, you got into the sport for a reason. For me, like I was a terrible swimmer. I actually still am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I would remind myself, you know, like, well, I could have just kept running. Like I chose to branch out. And, and so yeah. probably, yeah. you know, there's something that everyone is intimidated by something that they feel, you know, just like they don't measure up or even things you're afraid of. Um, I, I say embrace mm-hmm. all that stuff. Like it, 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 it actually, you're not yes. lying to yourself. It's true that you, part of the reason you got into this sport was for those very challenges. So go ahead and embrace, you know, the fears, the, the insecurities and, and all that as, as part of the adventure. Yeah, absolutely. That's very, that's very good advice. I think, um, now obviously yeah, you have a background in nutrition and, um, You've written many books about that. I know that The Racing Weight is one of the a very popular book. And um, nutrition and fueling is obviously a big part of any endurance sport. And, and of course, with triathlon, the same thing. Um, so what would you consider to be some of the basics of, of fueling and nutrition when you're starting out um, in, you know, in, in a sport that can be very demanding and obviously has a big energy yep. toll? Uh, what, are some, what are some of the basics? Yeah, it's easy to overthink the diet and nutrition part. And I, I actually see that quite mm. a lot. So, um, you know... Th- the basics really, are, you know, there's a tendency when we think sports nutrition, it's like supplements and ergogenics. Like, no, it's mm-hmm. not. It's it's breakfast, yep. lunch, and dinner. <laughs> like, right? Yeah, yeah. You, can, you can make it pretty simple if you want. Yeah, if you want to. and um, it's important not to lose sight of that. That you know, um, health is the foundation of fitness. You know, without without mm-hmm. health, you're not going to be fit very long if you ever get fit. So just. Focus on a balanced, healthy diet, um, which is like, you know, no need to reinvent the wheel here. And, and there's room for individuality. Like if you don't eat meat, fine, you can make that work. You know, if you're not a big fan of grains, you can, you can make that work. But you de- you generally want a, a balanced, broad and inclusive diet based on, uh, you know, unprocessed foods as much as possible. The, the big mindset change that is um, important, especially for people who just, you know, they have they weren't 
athletes or you know their 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 training volume or their training load is increasing as a result of becoming a triathlete is that you know in society at large we're, we we tend to be concerned about eating too much oh if i eat too much i'll gain weight in 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 triathlon it's a lot more costly to not eat enough so you you want to be sure yes. that you're getting enough to eat at all times like if you you know i guess you know everyone's concerned about you know you know weight and how they look and all that but forget all about that and focus on if you train right and you eat right and you make sure you're well fueled for the training because they're synergistic you you know your your mm -hmm. weight will end up where it's supposed to be um so yeah those yeah. those are the you know most important uh, principles with with nutrition yeah and uh and obviously like like you say fueling the training and you know, the recovery things like being mindful of eating if you know, after a particularly hard or um strenuous session or a long session whatever making sure to recover well and uh being i was about to say the recovery window or your, ref your refueling window but then you know we should probably explain that too if somebody's starting out then you know it's always good to be mindful about taking on protein you know in that sort of 20 30 minutes after um after training and after racing um are there any other things like that that you know we i think those of us in the sport maybe tend to yes, assume right. or forget that it's not maybe not um automatic knowledge you know um are there things like that that um you come across with yeah you you need you can broaden that concept of you know because that recovery window has to do with timing and that's something that you're mm -hmm. not used to you, 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 people are used to thinking of like what they eat and how much they eat but not so much about when um and and when yes. you're training a lot and it's particularly if you, you have days when you're exercising twice in, in one day um it's easy to fall behind and, and you know there's research showing that even if you get enough to eat over a 24-hour period if there are gaps in the day where you actually fall behind where your your energy needs get out ahead of the supply that you're you're giving your body through food yeah. um your metabolic rate will slow down um, you'll, you'll just, you'll actually adapt less to the training you're doing. So you, you sort of want to keep, um, the, you know, the times of greatest energy need are first thing in the morning, cause you've been asleep and fasting mm -hmm. overnight. And then as you say, mm -hmm. after workouts and also, uh, you know, what in the whole workout window, just kind of think of an envelope around your workouts where you want to be properly fueled going into them. Uh, and then you want to get some nutrition to, to accelerate the recovery process afterward as well. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, it doesn't have to be supplements. It doesn't have to be sports nutrition. It can be, it's entirely possible to do that with real yep. food. Not, you know, what we would, uh, I was going to do air quotes, normal, normal <laughs> food, um, without having to spend a fortune on, you know, gels and chews and bars and all the rest of it. So yeah, it can be, it can be kept pretty simple and you can be very successful, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You, you definitely want to do real food as much as possible. There's some people who go a little too far on the other side and it's important to keep in mind, like, you know, if you go out for a three hour bike ride, it's going to, it's going to go a lot better if you take in some, some calories, you know, on the bike and those right. calories should not be broccoli. You know, broccoli is very healthy, should probably be in your <laughs> diet, but you know, the purpose of fueling workouts is not health, it's performance. Um, so you can sort right. of block you know, all the rules change, like when you're fueling during training. So, mm -hmm. um, it, that's, that's all the more reason. Cause if you train a lot, you know, those Gatorade calories can kind of add up. And, and so you want yeah. to, you don't want to use supplements or, you know, kind of processed or packaged foods. You want to minimize that outside of when you actually really, you know, need, need to rely on those things. Yeah. So if you were going, if you are advising somebody who's going out on a three hour bike ride or a two hour bike ride, 
it would be predominantly carbs, yep. right? Yeah. Carbohydrates. Yep. You know, yep. Carbs, you know, they've gotten a bad rap over the last, I don't know how many years now. I know, poor but, carbs. You know, just, <laughs> the science says, you know, carbs are basically what your muscles are running on. Um, and mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, you're burning fat too, but, you know, try, try drinking a bunch of fat during a long bike. Actually, don't. <laughs> It's not going to go. Well. No, that's not. A, don't do that. Don't try right. that at home. So yeah, you know, you know, even if you try to kind of moderate your carbs, you know, in, in your meals, like it, it, it is rocket fuel for endurance performance. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the, the time to take in carbs and not worry about their reputation is is when you're training and racing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and so obviously, like you, you touched on there you don't want to get into, you don't want to get yourself into a hole with energy um, demand um, and requirements. And one, of the, and one of the things that can happen if that is the case, um, you can get run down, you can get, you can get ill, you can get injured. And obviously when you're taking up, uh, if you're taking up three new sports, or even if you're just taking, you know, if you're a runner and you're taking up two new sports, um, triathlon is a sport which is obviously very demanding on the body. And you do need to be mindful about injury and injury yep. prevention. Um, what are what are some of the the most common injuries that you you think beginners should be aware of and be mindful of as they kind of start their multi sport journey? Yeah, by and large, yeah, you know, sort of at the population level, um, injuries overuse what we call overuse injuries um, are are mm -hmm. the more common in running. There's a higher injury rate in running due to the high impact nature of the sport. However, um, if you've been a runner for a while and you're new to swimming and cycling, that might not hold true for you uh, because you know, you know, jumping ahead to inj injury prevention, you know, the biggest thing you can do to minimize injury risk is what's called load management, which basically means don't try to take big leaps forward in, in your training, like take the next step forward. So, you know, if you've run mm -hmm. seven miles, don't try 14 yet. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. you know, we tend to, when we think of uh, preventing injuries, I don't know, we think of, I don't know, ice baths or whatever or like foam rollers or but really load management mm -hmm. is number one just not giving your body more than than it's ready for and so it, you know if you have a background in in cycling but not swimming and running uh you're not used to any kind of load whatsoever in those sports so you you need to kind of right. take it slow and also do you know two steps forward one step back that's how process that's how uh, progress looks in endurance sports training like mm -hmm. You, put, right. you apply stress yep. to your body by giving it a little more than it's done in the past. Then you kind of step back, mm -hmm. take a day off or take a, you know, a lighter week of training and then take the next couple of steps forward. Um, yeah. Yeah. And what, and what are some of the injuries that people, uh, uh, you know, people are commonly yep. cursed with, I want to say, um, when they're coming into triathlon, I know, um, when I started out, I had plantar yep. fasciitis in both feet in the first two years, you know, it was like, just because I'd never done that much running before. Um, which is obviously an overused yep. thing, like you say. Um, what are some others that spring to mind? Yeah, yeah. The number one site of injury in, in running is is the knee. So you, you see a fair amount of knee stuff. It depends a little bit on your running style. Um, like you know, lighter, faster, more advanced runners. It tends to be around the hip and pelvis, higher up. Um, mm -hmm. For for yep. you know, heel strikers, it, it can be the the, the foot um, and, and the knee. Um, and yeah, there's a, you know, I've had my share of running related injuries and there, there, there's a lot of them, but some are more common than others that um, runner's knee or patellofemoral pain or IT band syndrome, which is close to the knee, but it's actually yeah. a soft tissue. Those are all common. 
in, in cycling, you can get knee issues as well, uh, in addition to, to low back. And then in swimming, it's it tends to be the shoulder, um, scap scapular yeah. area, shoulder. Yeah. 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 And obviously the best part about, well, the best way to, to avoid injury is to look after your body well in the first place. Right. So, um, what does, what does that look like in your opinion? You know, is that, is that foam rollering? Is that, um, mobility? Is that, what is, what does that look like for you and, and athletes that you work with? Yeah. The, the next thing I would put actually after, um, after the load management is, um, on, on the bike, making sure you're properly fit on your bike, that can make a huge difference. And there's a whole science, you know, when I first got into triathlon, not so much, you know, <laughs> just like, you know, mm-hmm. you buy a bike yep. at the shop, they take a couple quick and dirty measurements and you're off to the races. But mm-hmm. um, having a professional fitting, it may seem like, oh, I'm just a beginner. I can't drop however much money on a, it's worth it. You know, because yeah. there's a, yes, it, it really yep. is. And then in swimming, uh, swimming with proper technique or, you know, with better technique will not only help you swim more comfortably and faster, but it will also help reduce injury risk too. So, um, you know, spending some time working with a coach and you can do a lot of stuff remotely now, just, you know, take a GoPro to the pool, mm-hmm. have a friend film you, send it to one of the coach that, coaches that provides that service. And that can, that can help you improve more quickly and reduce injury risk. But also, yes, um, kind of, you know, what, what their folks are calling musculoskeletal care is a big piece of it as well. And that's, mm-hmm. um, you know, like functional strength training, not bodybuilding, but like strength training that, you know, exercises that are, you know, selected for the needs of people who swim, bike and run. It can just, it can help put your body a little bit more in balance. There's that balance concept yeah. again. And um, mobility yeah. work as well, where mobility is sort of, dynamic flexibility it's just the the ability to move efficiently through a normal range of motion um that stuff yes you know it, it can be <laughs> people think ah how do i find time even to swim bike and run and now you're telling me i gotta do this other stuff but it, it's worth it you know and, and a little goes a long way that's the good news like you know you can do a little yeah. um you know what i call a corrective exercise routine i, I have one and it's just like 20 minutes in the evening. I usually do it like while I'm catching up on the news in front of the television. I don't have to, I don't, I do it in my mm-hmm. street clothes or my pajamas. I, it doesn't feel like a workout. Mm-hmm. I don't have to shower afterwards. And it's just, yeah. it's actually kind of relaxing. Yeah. So if you're doing zero yeah. now, just start doing a little and, and that little bit will, will reward you. Yeah. I think that's a good, really good routine that a lot of athletes build into their, you know, a lot of triathletes, uh, whether professional age group and you know everything in between um building in like 15 20 minutes it doesn't maybe have to be every night but something that is becomes right. a habit and is a way for you to like look after your body because i think also yeah like when you talk about functional strength there i think um something to be aware of when you are doing three sports is that you do know do need to build the foundation you do need to have a body that's going to be able to withstand the miles you want to put yep. through it and um with without that it, although, like you say, it is adding something else to a already what seems like an already busy plate, but it's something that I think it can be a little bit short-sighted to not do it, you know, not to not to build it in. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, that's some that's some very uh, sound advice there, I think. But um, so when it comes to beginners and beginners that you uh, you've worked with, what are some of the most common questions that you you uh, receive or you hear, you know, and and uh, and how do you and how do you answer them? Yeah, well, you've asked most of those questions, you know, uh, honestly. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, the diet one is is pretty big. You know, even though it's a sport, people pretty 
go pivot pretty quickly to you know what what should I eat and and so I, mm-hmm. I, I you know I, there I, I recommend like treat the way you eat now as the starting point and just modify as necessary because you you want things to be sustainable uh, the training the the diet mm-hmm. and and everything else so you know don't change anything more than necessary uh, on the diet side like if mm-hmm. if you if you need to just up your game in terms of the, the quality of what you eat do that if you need to eat more as you start to train more do that but but you don't mm-hmm. have to like throw away what you've been eating and start eating the triathletes <laughs> diet just focus on you know <laughs> tweak rather than overhaul um a right. lot of equipment questions you know you know, you know I, yeah, yes. I, I did my first triathlon on on, on a borrowed bike that I uh, it was a mountain bike and I hadn't even test ridden it before the race. Um, oh boy! And it turned oh. out to have one working gear. It was actually had no functioning derailleur. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, that sounds yeah, like fun. It was fun. Yeah, I showed up at the race site without goggles and I had to borrow goggles from uh, from another racer. Oh, so nice. you know what? Like this is doable. It was an Olympic distance race. I survived. And, and you know, when I when I was a kid and I started running, my my dad was a, a runner and he was the one who inspired me to get into into it. And and you know, I wanted shoes. You know, I, you know even back we're going mm-hmm. to the mid eighties, but they had cool shoes back then. And and my dad would not get me running shoes until I'd like put in like a month of regular training. I I had to earn the shoes. And it can be you know equipment you get what you pay for with the equipment and, and it can be an expensive sport. Mm-hmm. And eventually if you get really into it, it can be worth making some investments, but don't feel any compulsion to start off, you know, spending six grand on a bike or whatever on a, on a wetsuit, right. you know, start with what you got, borrow yeah. something as long as it, you know, it fits and it's safe or what have you um, on the gear side, just like, you know, baby steps. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cause it is an expensive yep. sport and there is a ton of yep. gear that you need we, not that you need, you, you might like, but there are some basics. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that later in the show with Chris Foster. But um, yeah, there are some basic things that you do need to have. And if you don't want to buy them, you can, like you say, borrow them. Um, and it's, so it sounds like your first race was quite an interesting one then. I was because my, my, my next and my final question was going to be to you, uh, things that you wish you'd known when you did your first race or things you wish you'd known when you, uh, you were a rookie um so yeah tell us a little bit about that first race and maybe some share some advice that you wish you'd you know you'd have yeah. back then well you know i actually have no regrets about that first race i did i didn't mention i was i was hung over <laughs> <laughs> so you know it, it was just uh, perfect it, it, cocktail here yeah <laughs> borrowed kit it was a black like yeah do as i say not as i do um, yeah. but, you know, but it's funny because like that, that race was, um, kind of a humiliating experience because, uh, I, I, I almost finished dead last and, you know, I'm this healthy 27 year old guy, like battling at, at out with actually the race director. Um, this is on the Island of St. Martin. Um, and the race director was over 70 and he was doing his own race <laughs> and we end up in the sprint to the finish. And I think there was one or two people behind us, but not, but not many. So, and look at me now, um, but, but in terms of like actual regrets, things I, I wish um, I could have back, um, I think a lot of runners, and I was a runner uh, first, they, they think that they can just replicate the formula that, that made them good at running in the water mm-hmm. and swimming, and you can't. Like, uh, for, I spent like two years just trying to build fitness in the water and not mm-hmm. respecting the importance of technique. Uh, and then when I finally broke down and hired a coach, Rock Fry, um, 
to help me with my uh, technique. I, I seriously, I improved more in two weeks than I had in the previous two years. And I, yeah. I just, I wish I had had that insight earlier. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really interesting, actually, because t- swimming is the one that where, where technique, I yep. think you can get away, you can get away with learning a lot on a bike by riding with others and, you know, mirroring what they're yep. doing, especially right. if you're starting out yep. and running. I think, you know, we all have some basic you know idea of how to run like, yep. from being kids you know but but swimming if you didn't learn if you weren't taught technique as a kid it's it's so hard to learn so yeah i think there is there comes a time when it's really really good to invest in that in that um technical work in the pool and uh like you say it goes a long long way yeah but, yeah, yeah that, that's that you know, sounds... yeah that broadening broadening that concept like get help you know ask people stuff mm. there, there is a lot to learn and it's actually you know, that can be intimidating. It's like, there's so much I don't know, but just ask, you know, I still do that now as experienced as I am. I'm not an expert on everything. So if, if mm-hmm. I, if I want to improve in some area, I go to a, a real expert and, you know, yeah. have that sort of, it takes a village mentality. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That kind of growth mindset. And mm-hmm. uh, that was, well, I think when I was starting out, that was definitely the thing that I really liked about the sport was the camaraderie around um, learning and sharing knowledge. And, you know, it's something that now with, uh, you know, 15 plus years experience doing the sport, it's something that I really enjoy kind of paying back. Right. But, um, but yeah, when I, was, when I was a newbie, it was all, you know, I was just constantly asking questions and mm-hmm. trying to learn. You know, like, I feel like you can become a bit of a triathlon sponge, you know, just trying yeah. to soak up all this <laughs> All this, this, it feels like there's so much to learn. There is so much to learn. And yeah, you can you can constantly ask people questions. And what I liked about the sport, and I think the same rings true now, was, it, you know, back then as, as to now, is that, you know, you can ask people anything and people are always really happy to help you. Um, yeah. Because everybody, like you, and like you say, everybody knows something, everybody's areas of special, specialty or expertise are different. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it ha- uh, happens sooner than you think that you're the one dispensing advice to other people. I mean, seriously, you, d- you don't have to be in the sport very long before you'd be amazed how much you've learned. And then you're the one answering questions for other people and you are, you are paying it back. Yeah, that's very true. Very tr- a good way to look at it, actually. Yeah. Cool, mm-hmm. cool. Thank you so much for joining us, Matt. Really appreciate your insights and uh, expertise. And uh, um, I'm sure that lots of people will be uh, tapping into your books as they begin their um, begin their triathlon journey, too. So uh, you'll... If you haven't read one of Matt's books already, then uh, I would strongly advise you do. (laughs) But yeah, thanks, Matt. Yes, you bet. I enjoyed it. Thanks. So coach Morgan Lattimore has helped welcome plenty of newcomers into triathlon. As both an adult learn to swim coach and as a tri coach, he has a ton of useful tips on getting started. Here's our chat with Morgan. Coach Morgan Lattimore, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I am doing amazing. As always, I'm a little bit amazingly tired after my swim today, but you know what? We still got a lot of things to do, a lot of people to motivate, and you know, um, got to get some nutrition, maybe watch a TV show or two, and keep it moving. Keep it moving. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. And you are keeping it moving because we were just talking uh, before we came on air. We we're talking about all the things you've got going on at the moment. And you're a, you're a swim coach. You're a triathlon coach. You're a marine. You're, mm. uh, you're a public speaker. Mm. <laughs> you're writing a book. You've, yeah. uh, you're also training for ultra. You've done some uh, Ultraman races, right? And you're training for the Epic Decker. Yeah. So, Tell us what that, I mean, that's, that's a whole lot of stuff anyway, but the Epic Decker, that sounds, 
That sounds kind of crazy. Tell us what that's all yeah. about. I, I, I think, like, it, it's all a lot of stuff, but it's, I think it's all in the same thing. It's, like, really, you know, testing our limits as we do as triathletes, right? And that's mm-hmm. how we I got to DECA. Uh, you know, you start off at the sprint and um no you start off at the 5k <laughs> and then you're like ah let me what's this triathlon thing you mm-hmm. try that out you go sprint olympic half full um and then you know after i did uh, a couple fulls i was like I, i'm not a person that like, like likes to repeat races and mm-hmm. so i was like what's next and then a friend came to me named alan he came to me uh, in san diego uh and said hey have you ever heard of ultraman i was like I have, but they would never select me because it's a selection. They only select 50 athletes each year mm-hmm. to actually participate in each race, depending on if it's Canada, Florida, Arizona, or uh, Hawaii. And um, I was trying to get into one in Florida. He said, put an application in. What the, what, what's the worst could happen? You don't get in. I think the application fee was $35. So I left that day. I didn't think nothing about it because I was like, he crazy. I, I don't win nothing. I just don't, I don't get nothing, so I'm not doing it. And then um, – I, I saw again. He said, "So did you sign up?" And he came back to me. I was like, "God dang, this dude won't leave me alone, right?" And so I went home. I signed up, and I was like, uh, crewing, kind of crewing my wife for her Ragnar. And then like I got an email, and it says, "Can we have a little bit more information about you?" And I was like, "What do you want to know?" He's like, "Well, if you're a race director, what would you want to know to let somebody in your race?" And I so I just I wrote this long message on my cell phone, and then I went home, and then I woke up the next day. And said, "You have been." chosen to for 2018 ultraman florida i was like how much does this even cost like i hadn't even did any research or anything (laughs) but i was looking for something more and i did that and the ultra community is just awesome and so i I kept you know was got involved with that and some other things happened and um epic deca came into play and they were like hey do you want to do it um and i was like well you know this costs a lot of money they say do you want to do it i say yes i do and um, the rest is, you know, we've been trying to do it for two years now, almost because of the pandemic. And we just mm-hmm. moved again to May 2022. Um, and we'll do, you know, 10 Ironman in 10 consecutive days on six different islands. Wow. Yeah. So we the, logit- the logistics is what's the hard part. But, you know, like I was just telling somebody before I got on here, he's like, you know, you should go do two Ironman or three Ironman. I was like. I said, I went from the high school to the world's baddest fighting force in the world, right? And I said, just, you know, just because you, you haven't done something like the, the first thing under that or, or somebody else says you need to do something else, doesn't mean you just can't, as long as you prepare, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. And I need to do things that scare me. And three Ironman, don't scare me. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm that guy. But 10, but 10 might. 10 scares the hell out of me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it scares the hell out of me, man. Okay, well, before we scare beginners listening to this with talk of 10 Ironman, let's, yeah, talk, let's sure. start out simple, keep it simple. Because um, obviously, you know, as a coach, you, you help athletes. And one of the things that you really enjoy doing is, is helping athlete get, get athletes get the most from themselves and achieve their potential, fulfill their potential. Yes. Um, how do you help when people first pick up the sport, when, first, when people first come into triathlon, how do, you, how do you help them get started? And what's your advice for people who are coming into the sport? From, um, from maybe like maybe from running or maybe from completely something completely different. I, I asked them why are you doing it, why you want to do it, you know, mm-hmm. and they're like, well, I wanna I wanna complete this distance or I wanna make this PR. I say, nah, that's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you why emotionally do mm. you want to do this? Like, what is your purpose? Because when it gets hard, when you want to cuss me out during a workout, when you want to quit, 
you need to be able to go back to that reason. And I, I try to talk to them and get deeper down and say, you know, and, and you can get to things where it could have been something with the mother or the father or, you know, setting that, that example for their children or overcoming a disease or something like that and living their life to the fullest, you know, mm-hmm. not just existing. And I think that is what kind of really connects me with my, especially the newer athletes, because most people in your life really don't care about you at that level. They don't ask those deep questions. Mm -hmm. But I think that's um, not only does it set you apart from other athletes, I think it's the one thing that we uh, don't talk about enough, but it prepares new athletes for the challenges ahead. Mm Mm-hmm. Figuring out why they're there, why they want to come, right. why, they, why they're doing it. Yeah. Right. Because anybody can give you the workouts, but they can't do them for you. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. You got to get out of bed. You got to get yeah. out of the front door. You got to. Yeah. 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 And uh, what are what are the common reasons? Why? You know. What do you think? What do, what do you think it is? What's the secret? What's the answer? I mean, it could be a lot of. I mean, I've met people that um, they were told their whole life that they weren't good enough. Hmm. Right. And so they are trying to live up. They're, they're sometimes they don't know it, but they're trying to prove something wrong, prove someone wrong mm. when and in hindsight, they should just be, sh- you know, showing themselves that they are enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Or uh, a big one is um, when it comes to health, like, uh, you know, I, I've been sitting on the couch or I've been doing nothing for, for most of my life. Mm-hmm. And this is something where I see they have camaraderie. Uh, it looks fun and people talk about it and I, I want to try it. And the first thing they mm-hmm. say, I want to do an Ironman, but you know, they really saying I want to do a sprint sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. And so yeah. you, they're just looking for that emotional connection that, you know, has held, has held them back their whole lives. And mm-hmm. they're trying to fight through that because, you know, it's triathlon is not just about finishing the race. It's about getting the courage to do something that you haven't done to, to accomplish what most things, what most people feel that it's impossible and mm-hmm. that that effort that was you know and kind of accomplished that goal as you know really transcends triathlon for them mm-hmm. and for those people so uh, it's, there's a thousand reasons we can go down the whole list but i think those are probably the, the biggest ones yeah yeah and you talked there you, you mentioned there you could you, know, you can start with a sprint you can start with an ironman and and obviously the I, I would imagine most coaches obviously advise their athletes to start small and and um and grow grow the distance but what's what, what what's your uh, take on that do you uh, when you've got somebody doing their first race like how do you uh, you know how do you help them pick the right race or how do you help them pick the right distance i think i mean it depends like because sometimes you get when you get new athletes they already didn't signed up for something like i got a new one right. like i got her two weeks ago she's never done a triathlon before i said so tell me about your race and i'm thinking she's going to tell me sprint she mm-hmm. says well i signed up for olympic and i say oh Okay, uh, and I'm with it because I do crazy stuff myself, so I'm with it. Yeah. But let me, you know, I said, let me explain to you what you need to be able to do. And she's like, right. Oh, I didn't, because they don't know, they don't understand the concepts of distance yet. Mm-hmm. And you know, I said, like, you know, we have the, the key is, and I'll tell you, just like I told this other guy uh, on this messenger I just talked to, it doesn't matter how long you want to go. I don't care. For me, if you want to go do Ironman your first time around, you just need to put enough time and effort into not only preparation, right, but enough time out from it that you can actually prepare for it, you yeah. know, not, and I mean, not just like the training, but like, instead of waiting six months before your first full and you've never done a race, then you probably should like two years out, like there should be a, and then you, for me as a coach, I'll slowly build in like shorter races within training or say, hey, let's go do this sprint and, you know, give them those pieces that you can only learn while racing. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? 
So yeah. it, it's just you just got to do that Jedi mind trick on them. Like, oh, yeah, I want to do an Iron Man. I said, oh, yeah, let's do it. Let's train you for it. And then two months in, you're like, Yo, well, let's try this race out and we can practice your, your transitioning. And they leave right. it at that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, starting out, I mean, yeah, my first race was a sprint. And the thought of starting out with an Iron Man seems, seems to me to be terrifying. But I know like a lot of people just, just like jumping in and being like, oof, I'm in. I'm going all in. But yeah, you're right. If you if that's if somebody's listening and they're like they're jumping in straight into an Ironman first thing like like I think that's solid advice from you there is to build in some s- smaller races before Got if to. you if yeah. you can obviously we're we're living in a different we're living in a different world we're talking as if you know we're back to normal but um, yeah we go we get there <laughs> we get there we get there. there and what about when it comes to coaching uh, I know we're talking about you know off, offline we're talking a bit earlier about how to find the right coach and how to even know if you need a coach. Like for, for people who are listening, like what's the, what's your, what's your advice there on finding, you know, does every triathlete need a coach? And, uh, yeah. and how do you find the, and how do you find, how do you even know the right one to find, you know? I kind of answer that. I'll say everybody needs someone, right? Mm. I'll say it that way. Coach, mentor, yeah, yeah. Uh, training buddy or something like that. Do you need a coach? No, I think the, a coach is very valuable. Obviously, I am a coach, and uh, I, for me, I need a coach. I like that interaction, and there are certain things that I need from a coach. And as I help people, that especially even if they're not looking for me, or I, I can tell that that athlete is not for me, I can say, okay, I kind of do this. It's like, well, what are the what are if you look at some of the most important things? Cause I'm a more holistic kind of coach when I, in the beginning, like. I want because you have to have a connection like you can't uh, mm. you've, you've been coached before like if you don't have nothing in common with your coach it's kind of hard to speak the language like they don't get you and it's, it's like you feel and that kind of like alienates either one of you and like i don't know how to do this i don't know how to ask and people don't know how valuable that piece is so i tell them like what are the top three things that are most valuable to you, to you traits in a relationship is it honesty is it communication mm. is it humor is it openness like what is that then whatever those top three are First, does your coach have that? Are you able to get humor, or was he just like a, a a dry talker, or was he? Did you see feel like y'all were communicating effectively, or did you not even understand how he was communicating with you? Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm just like I'm learning, and it's this super data driven guy, and I don't care nothing about that, he's talking another language. I gotta be. I should be. I need to be comfortable with him. So maybe he's not the coach for me. Mm-hmm. And so it's finding those three things and really uh, asking yourself. Um, can I find a coach? Cause you can, but are you have to, to work through those things? And then, then you go on to the accolades and education and experience and things like that, um, that need to exist. Right. You know, uh, I believe that you don't have to always have certifications, but I believe that the certification for coaching is a stepping stone in the right direction. Like if they mm-hmm. ain't never done it, then you should never talk to them because they don't think education is important. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, how many books are they reading? How often are they they're studying and, 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 and honing their craft, right? That's important for you because there are a lot of coaches that say, I've been doing it for 20 years, but 20 years of old knowledge is still bad knowledge, hmm. right? But if you're doing 20 years and you're constantly upgrading and, and refining the, your, your skills and your craft and your knowledge, then you can bring something valuable to your athletes, I think. Yeah, yeah. And obviously... Nowadays, obviously, there's a lot of coaching online, and there's, lot, there's still yeah. some. There's still obviously some coaching in in real life. You know, it's where you can see see your athletes eye to eye, and you you can see exactly how they're performing. Um, what you, do you have any preference there or advice for people there? Is it is it? I mean, obviously, a lot of it can be geography and and what's available to you where you live, but 
I think it's two pieces to it. Um, it's it's for most people. If I if I you know I don't agree with it wholeheartedly that the people should use these two things, but one is cost, right? Um, and then two is the biggest piece that I see with coaching is somebody being able to handle an age grouper schedule, right? Not everybody is a pro and they like this is my full time job type thing. Mm-hmm. It's about sure. uh, like it's like meeting athlete where they are like what's their professional life look like what is their their, their marriage and or 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 the, their health look like and because you have to kind of consider those things so i think those are the biggest things that uh kind of stand out is the cost mm-hmm. and is the is the coach fluid you know not flexible not balanced but is he fluid mm-hmm. is he able to move with your schedule mm-hmm. uh when the kids get sick or is he, does he tell you figure it out right yeah that's not a good coach Right, 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 right. You yeah, might as well have a, like a free trading plan if that's what all you go get. Right, and because that is something that's really important to remember, especially if you're starting out in the sport, is that yeah, you do have you can't be a slave to the plan. You do have to be fluid. You do have to be able to, or I'm going to say the cliche, but listen to your body. You know, learn yes. to like tune into what's what's feel what feels good, what feels right, and not be afraid to you know not be afraid to tell your coach or ask questions or you know if something's not working or whatever. But um. Yeah, which kind of leads me on to what I was going to, the next question I was going to ask you was about the mental side of everything. I know that's something that's really important to you is working with athletes and the building confidence and tapping into, Correct. as you already, already talked about, their why, their motivation. But mindset is a big thing that you're super passionate about, right? So talk to us a little bit about how, um, what, what are common sort of barriers, men, mental barriers that you, you see in athletes and what, what are things that are really, really important for athletes to be aware of as they're coming to triathlon? Baggage. I mean, you try like you, you already heard that that <laughs> we're running from or we're running towards something. Well, you, you hear that probably a lot in the sport because there's a lot of alpha mentality, mm-hmm. um, ADHD, <laughs> mm-hmm. ADD athletes. Like everybody's like had so and, and our emotions are out of control. So we're looking for it's almost like that drug to numb them, right? Mm-hmm. Or we or we are we trying to get away from the things that are that scare us the most, and we go kind of find our, our refuge in triathlon. Mm-hmm. Um, Self-confidence, self-belief is the biggest one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, in every athlete, even the males, right? It's like, you know, that imposter syndrome. Can, can I do this? Am I am I in the right place? Should I be doing this? Mm-hmm. And people don't understand how much that holds you back because you tell that story to yourself over and over again, mm-hmm. right? So when things do get hard, you're going to question your abilities. And, I, and I, what I try to do is change that narrative and teach athletes to actually speak what they want to happen in their life. Like this was a learning experience. Oh, it may not went the way I wanted to go, but this is what I got from it. And not mm-hmm. look at the the negative all the time. Look how far you've come and look at what you've learned and implement that. No, does that, does that kind of lessen the blow sometimes? No, but it puts your life and your training in perspective mm-hmm. because if everything you do is sucks, I would ask the question, why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. Right. And so this is supposed to be fun. And that's what, you know, especially for new triathletes, the biggest thing I'll tell you, the biggest advice I'll ever give you is like, if this ain't fun, you should stop doing it. Right. This right. is supposed to be a, a addition to your life that brings value, um, joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when it stops being that, you need to reevaluate what you're doing. And, uh, and you should use that dang going advice with anything in your life, actually. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's sound. Yeah. Well, I think it was, uh, yeah, when we were on the phone before and you were talking about um, 
triathlon and life the lessons you learn or the lessons that you help athletes with in triathlon like carry over transcend into into real life like you know as you and that's something that you're super into as well is like thinking about not just people as not just somebody as an athlete but you know what makes them tick as a as a person and I guess that's something that when you're coming into I guess it's all tied in you know when you're coming into the sport you've got to think out think about why are you doing this what's your why um what's your what are you working on here and uh yeah and keep obviously keep enjoying it and if you're not enjoying it then maybe reassess but uh yeah so what are some of the common questions that you get when people are first starting out because i know that there's that's the thing about triathlon right and uh we were talking about i was talking about this with matt fitzgerald earlier in the show yeah the questions and asking questions is a really really big part of, of triathlon and it's a really big part of learning regardless of whether you're doing triathlon or whatever but um yeah what are some I big think, questions? I think questions go both ways, right? Um, mm. You know, and I would uh, first I'll answer the question about what they ask, and then I'll tell you about how I implement questions as well. Is nutrition, pacing, mm. equipment, mm-hmm. right? These are the things that they talk about the most. Um, these are the these are the um, the conundrums that are caused throughout training because there's mm-hmm. there's so much information and variation of different things. Like, like mm-hmm. they're looking for somebody, uh, a new athlete is looking for somebody to vet that information because you can read yeah. magazines or you got your what I call your social media coaching, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you put it in a, uh, in yeah. a chat room and then you got like 150 replies and you're like, okay, I'm still lost, right? And yeah. so. There's a lot of noise out there. Yeah, a lot of noise. So you it's hard to know what to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. So I think as a coach, you um, the the key is to not only that you want them to ask the questions, then they ask those specific questions because those are most common, right? And those are the most common addressed in like magazines and and podcasts and and articles on 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 Facebook or um, Instagram or whatever you you put it out there, Mm -hmm. but. So they ask you like, oh man, okay, I've seen this. Or they heard a friend talk about it. So they're mm-hmm. asking you like, what about this? What about that? So I I don't say, I want to say I combat that, but I kind of like follow that with, if you ask me like, what pace should I be running? I would ask you what paces exist? And they say, well, I don't know. Well, I said, well, you, 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 you know, then I'd use something relatable. Like, so what is walking slow? And then they explain that to you. So what is walking fast? Then they explain mm-hmm. that to you. And I said, so what is what is in between? They said, moderate. I said, I want you to look at your running pacing and your cycling pacing just the same. We want, we need to set the parameters of what's slow, what's fast, and what's in the middle. And so when you develop those skills and we practice them over and over again, they become second nature. And mm-hmm. now instead of them, you telling them and they just run it off with it, you have engaged their mind to actually question what they're doing to evaluate it. So what I, and I do that because on race day, I won't be there. So if I'm not right. teaching you, then what am I doing, yeah. right? And I, so my my job is to actually fill the tools in your toolbox. So when on, when you like mile fifty of your Ironman and you like, what do I do? You you ask yourself the, you ask yourself questions like, okay, what did I need to do? What I haven't done? So it's that ingraining that process in their minds to make them proactive, not reactive. Yeah, yeah, and no, that's really good advice. I think yeah. Because athletes who become too dependent on their coach, or you know, what are you learning? Where are you? Right. Where's the education? And like you say, on race day, you have nobody else with you other than you. So, yes, yep. uh, yeah, no, that's 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 solid advice for sure. Um, 
Yeah, what what are some other co- common questions that you might get hit with? Um, I think the bigger ones, uh, especially we talking again, we're talking about new triathletes, right? Is and mm. is um is equipment huge, huge, you know, because there you there's a basic need for certain things. You you know, you mm. need a bike, you need shoes, you need a helmet. And um and I and I, I would even venture to say that, you know, this is in the new age you need at least a multi sports watch. Something mm-hmm. of some kind um, mm-hmm. um to get these things done. So, you know, it's even me taking the time to like pull up multiple nutritions or pull up multiple bikes or pull up multiple pairs of shoes and say, Okay, this is what look pedals are, this is what uh mm-hmm. speed play pedals are and like showing them the difference and, and then almost regurgitating the, the product review. <laughs> <laughs> to mm-hmm. the, to them so they can understand okay now you have to make a choice and then most of them will say well you tell me coach <laughs> and, I, and, I, and you know because they just they just want you to tell them but i said no we're not going to do that because i don't have to ride this and i don't have to do this so then i ask more questions is like okay what's your budget right do you have any uh limitations or anything like that are you able to get a bike fit it, it, so you kind of like you want you do the same thing that you would do for yourself, but you do it mm. for somebody else and say, okay, yeah. based off the information I have, this may be better suited for you. And a big one um, that everybody goes into is the power meter thing. That's a that's a really been a common question the last probably six months. Like, mm-hmm. coach, do I need a power meter? Coach, do I need a power meter? Like, do you like? Why? Why do you need it? Well, I hurt, and that you know, so you get back down to that one. It's like, well, let's worry about this first. That's yeah. what about getting you on your bike on a regular basis yeah. before we buy yeah, yeah. you a power meter and spend five to five hundred to five thousand dollars on something? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, and I know that you're a swim coach. You're you're an adult learn to swim coach, right? And so mm-hmm. beginners, you know, people who are new to swimming, like that's I, th- I think that's something that's so scary. It can be so intimidating if you're learning to swim as an adult. Um, so yeah, tell us, you know, talk to us a little bit about what you do there with uh, learning to swim and and. And teach it, and how you know if somebody's if somebody's coming to triathlon as a rookie swimmer, how how do you help them? What's good, what's the best uh, what's that what's your what's your best advice? Practice consistency, mm. um, getting in the water before race day. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, they say, well, oh, well I'm not a good swimmer, but I, then you ask the question, when's the last time you went to the pool? Mm. Well, you know, and so it's it not. I got this. I got this shirt on. Change doesn't happen until action takes place. You can't come become a better swimmer if you don't swim, right? right. So, have you when you know? Do you have a pool membership, right? It's, it's giving them. It's giving them the, the thought to like, let's get access to the pool. Let's actually get you in the water. And then a new swimmer, and if they say, oh, I, I haven't swam in a while, I'm, I may just say, hey, go to the pool for thirty minutes and just get in the water. Play, blow bubbles or something like just let let's let's build a relationship with the with the water and to make it positive not not just storm directly in and say figure it out no nah, right? right it's just like anything else before you get in a hot tub you put your toe, toes in if it, it ain't right you don't put it in you put a little more cold water so you want to make sure that you kind of use that process when you when you're dealing with you know new swimmers they might not be scared in this level but you want to make sure you ease them into the process. And the sooner mm-hmm. you start doing that, then the, the sooner that you can get into the real nitty gritty stuff. The mm-hmm. second piece of the Dirt Loner Swim program, which are really uh, valuable pieces when we teach fearful swimmers, people that have been bit by sharks, had you know bad drowning experiences, watch their parents or kids drown. Like mm-hmm. you deal with those people. I mean, people that won't, that won't take showers, 
that won't take baths, or it gets deep, or won't come onto the pool deck because the water is there. You have some oh, wow. really deep-seated fears. So, because I'm because I'm really deep into mindset, it's having conver it's real conversation with them. And I would tell anybody, especially the people listening to this, like if you're afraid, if you if you think you're afraid of the water, that's not what you're afraid of. Hmm. That's not it. Because if you look at any experience, a drowning, um, something happened, a shark, like you have to kind of re reverse engineer that. Okay, were you supposed to be there? Were they supposed to be there? Did they already knew that they shouldn't be doing this? Were they prepared to be in open water? It's usually not the water that caused the issue, but it's the, usually the water that gets the bad rap. Hmm. Right. And so it's addressing the actual issue. And then it's like, OK, well, my son drowned. OK, so what happened? Well, he was alone. He was this. He was with a friend. They shouldn't have been there. Like I've heard all mm -hmm. the stories. So the mm -hmm. water is not the issue. It's not your enemy. Right. Mm -hmm. It's it, how can you be safer around the water? And that's having the skills and knowledge to to know that you can be comfortable by doing these techniques, A, B and C. Mm -hmm. Right. And then that you change the relationship of how they perceive water and you you, you change their relationship of if they were, are afraid or or ready to get in there and just just whip it on. You know, mm -hmm. that's a short answer. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot there. That, that's a whole podcast in itself, I think. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. But I know that for many, many new triathletes, like the learning to swim part of it or or, or the learning how to swim faster or more efficiently mm. is like that is definitely the barrier to entry it's, you know i've had that conversation with a lot of people who can bike and run fantastically and then they're just like no oh, i wouldn't do a triathlon because i can't swim or i don't yeah. want to swim or the, i want to and, and you talk about the speed right and that's another one like um i have a new uh, another young lady that um she's been with me about you know uh, a few months now and um she wants to swim faster right Mm -hmm. But people don't swimming is the strength. And when it comes to strength, you have to build that, right? You just don't mm -hmm. get strength. It's, just, it's not yeah. like, oh, you know, and it's repeated repetition, spending a lot of time in the water, drills, mm -hmm. you know, dry land training, all those type of things. But it, speed is not something with, and I, and I say this for people, if you're looking for speed overnight in the water, you, that ain't going to work. It takes yeah. time. You have to be patient patient if you're comparing yourself to somebody where they where they are you don't need you need to look about and ask them where they come from and they may have been doing mm -hmm. it for a long time they may have put it in a lot of work and you got to do the exact same thing yourself yeah you know i think that's that's definitely the key word there is patience right yeah. for people for people who are coming in nothing's going to happen overnight and endurance sports triathlon especially like that's i think that's so so true like patience is key and trusting in the process and yeah, you got to be consistent. You got to show up every day, and you got to mm -hmm. do the work. But um, which which you know you already know. But um, tell us about your first race and uh, oh, and how Lord. that went. She hit me. Yeah, go a, on, ent entertain me, us. She hit me with a left field one. Like <laughs> my first. Uh, oh my goodness! My first race was. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. I mean, that's the easiest way. Um, I was in. I was in. Um, in Cali, I was on station on Camp Pendleton, and they have a race there that's called um, Semper Try. It's a sprint, mm -hmm. right? And I have been doing a little run, you know, Marines run, and I was riding my bike with the the group, and I've done that. Uh, not really a lot of swimming. Uh, I was in the pool, but like I was swimming like three thirties, one hundreds, or something. It was something terrible, right? And we swam in this place called um, uh, El, El. I think it's I think it's like El Cac. 
this is the Elkac area where the hovercrafts are, are, are. It's like a little beach there, but it's right next to not not too far from Trestles. If people know Trestles is, is one of the, the top surfing places in the world, right? And so mm-hmm. when we say that, that means waves <laughs> so, yeah. and currents, right? And the bigger the, the 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 bigger the waves, the faster the current, the stronger the current, right? And so these are things that you know I was not prepared for. And I woke up one morning. I was like, you know what? I was using. The, I went to use the bathroom, and I came back with my wife. I said, like, I'm gonna go try to do this try. I hadn't even signed up, nothing. I just got my stuff, put it in the car, and drove to it. And it was on base, so it was about about ten minutes away. So I was like, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna go try it out. Like, what the hell? So signed up, got in there. Um, it was crazy because I remember <laughs> this lady helping me zip my. Uh, my wetsuit up. I, was, I couldn't get my wetsuit zipped up, right? And she was like, hey, you want me to help you with that in this accent? And then I, I learned later on it was uh, Paul Newby Frazier. And, nice. <laughs> and uh, we actually became friends this day. Like, she's the reason I'm in triathlon, but like, she was there to help me and then I, we got at the start line and um, <sighs> that swim. Because, I mean, you had to swim almost like at a, at a, like a almost a 90 to 45 degree angle just to go straight. You know, yeah. you you swimming yeah. you swimming towards Mexico when you really you're trying to go towards L.A. just so you don't like get knocked off course and the waves mm-hmm. are strong, right? And I hadn't had the open water skills that I have today mm-hmm. at all. So you know, it was a 500, uh, I think a 500 meter yard swim. You go out, you make a ride, another ride, and you come back in. And those yep. that do up in open water, like yeah, once you fight through the waves to get out, okay, now you got to deal with that on the way back, but you're not really you can't really see them not if you don't have the techniques to like i'm gonna look back or you can feel as you get better at it you'll know the swell is coming you can just feel it when yeah. the water is moving right and so yeah it beat the mess out of me <laughs> it beat me so bad <laughs> that i sat in transition for like five minutes right oh, wow. i sat in transition for like five minutes and during that time i ate right like a i think I like a full meal almost and then um i put my towel around me took my uh swim s- stuff off and then put on my bike kit, right? Yeah, this is it's how bad it was. And then I got on the bike, I, I got on the bike and rode, and my legs were on fire because I went out there like a bat. I, just, I, I built up all this lactic acid that I couldn't flush out because I didn't like ease into it. Yeah. I just hammered it, and my body was like, what are you doing? And I, I was like pedaling hard as I could, go nowhere. Then I came back, and the transition was long again. And then I had the night before I had um, was looking for some insoles, some blue, some super feet, blue insoles. They didn't have any. So, you know what I did? I bought the black ones. The black ones are harder. Right. And more sturdy. So my feet were burning. Then my arches were hurting. My I had blisters. That was the most painful three miles I have ever ran in my life. And then I finished and I said what everyone else says, I'm never doing that again. Uh, you say that you say that and then here we are yes i did i went on to do that year i went from a sprint to to olympic i did a the olympic down in super super seal and then i did uh oceanside 70.3 and i did vitamin full all in that six months actually quite quite a debut season then yeah actually quicker than that wow that's fair. so you know what I was going to ask you was like what, what do you wish you'd known uh, when you did you know after when you did your first one what do you you know if you if you go back in time what do you wish you'd known but I think we can answer that straight away by like you could say I, w- I wish I'd had some open water swimming I wish I'd had some pacing experience Training, I yep. wish I'd done some transitions I wish I'd yeah, you, yeah well you tell me I don't want to answer the question for you but 
all that. Yeah. All that. And I think the the biggest piece of that is is um don't let your ego drive you, right? Especially I talk to males. I'm a marine and I you know, I just thought I'm an amphibious monster. I can do whatever in the water and all these other things and I train hard and that's all ego. That's all pride, yeah. right? You know, yeah. uh, the biggest thing I would say to anybody new, old, like, you don't have it all. You don't have all the knowledge. Ask questions. Ask questions. Read. Uh, do the work and put in the work uh, because it's easy. Yeah, you can. I believe, yeah, you, I'm, I'm one of the people that are fit enough that I can almost fake anything, right? I, can, I don't have to really go all out and I can, I can make it through it. Step Iron Man and above, right? But... I think that it really, if you do it right, if you ask questions, you train consistently, and you 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 listen you listen to your body, like you said before, mm-hmm. it creates a more positive experience, and mm-hmm. it brings you back happier and healthier, and mm-hmm. you you stay. It, it creates longevity in the sport and in your health. I think that's yeah. important. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's yeah, that's some sound advice, and uh, definitely. Definitely always, I mean, everybody seems to always have a fun, a fun story about their first one, but then there are some also serious like takeaways from that that you, you could be like, uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely do that differently. I would definitely make sure that I know, you know, that I've been fit on my bike or I know that my run shoes, although I know it's not the first time I've run in my run shoes or whatever it is, but yeah, there's, it's always funny after the fact, but maybe a bit painful at the time, right? Then a bit. It's a, it was a whole lot of bits. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't touch my bike for like two weeks. I didn't touch. I, I didn't go. To, I didn't work out. I was just my my pride was damaged. It was like everything hurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, Morgan, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate all your insights and your humor and your uh, and your honesty. And uh, we look forward to chatting to you again soon. Yes, I appreciate you letting me become on here. And and everybody, make sure that you do the right thing. By being yourself, having fun, and keep moving forward because forward is a pace. Awesome. Thank you. If you're enjoying the show, please don't forget to subscribe to Triathlete Fitter and Faster wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave us a review if you like what you hear. Rate and review us as it helps us out and it helps others like you to find us. Next up, we're joined by Chris Foster, our senior editor and gear guru, who's going to talk us through what you need and equally as important, what you don't when you're first starting out in triathlon. Hey, hey, Chris Foster, the gear guru is in the house. How you doing, Chris? I'm good. I'm a kid. How you doing? Pretty good. Thank you. So today we're going to be talking all about beginners and yes. specifically, obviously, beginners gear. And sure. uh, I know you've obviously tested your fair share of stuff. Um, but before you were working at Triathlete Magazine, you were actually uh, working hard in bike shops, right, in the LA area. Yeah. So uh, when I first got out of college, I packed up all my stuff in my station wagon and drove out west. Um, nice. And, yeah, just like so many people do. Um, and I wanted to be a pro triathlete, but as you know, being a pro triathlete is not glamorous. So I had to get a J O B. Yeah. Um, a J O B. Oh boy. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, <laughs> they, they suck. I heard. Yeah, yeah. I've heard the same thing. Um, but so anyway, I thought, you know, I'll get a bike, uh, a job at a bike shop. That way I can make connections and learn more mm-hmm. about the sport and all that stuff. So it wasn't just, you know, like delivering pizzas, which I have done also. So I'm not cutting anyone who delivers pizzas, but 
Um, wow. you know, it had some points. So anyway, um, I worked at bike shops while I was training to be a pro for, um, years and years. I worked at Helen cycles in Santa Monica, which is at the time one of the most like high volume bike shops in the country. Yeah. Um, and so we just, you know, you're just selling, like, you're like a selling machine. Um, so you talk to beginners all the time and, um, you know, all sorts of people, you know, obviously road mountain too, but, mm-hmm. um, then from there I went to triathlon lab in Redondo beach and that was just a tri shop, which was like awesome, you know, as a triathlete, yeah. it's just, you know, you're not selling mountain bikes, you're not selling downhill bikes, you're not messing with any of that stuff. Um, and, you know, I worked as sales there and then I worked as a mechanic for a while. Um, so I kind of got like, you know, to, to not only sell things and like help a lot of beginners, but, um, you know, when it breaks, you know, I'd have to deal with it. So I'm not mm-hmm. trying to sell someone a piece of garbage because I'm going to be the one who's back there tinkering yeah. with it. Um, yeah. But, I, but it was a great job and it helped me like learn more about the sport, learn more about beginners. So, you know, we can talk to our readers who are beginners. So, um, you know, I was a pro triathlete for a long time, but I've actually dealt with, you know, hundreds of beginners in their first gear purchases. Um, right. So, yeah, a little bit of experience with that. Um, but the one thing, one of the things that Trilab had, and I don't honestly, I don't know if they still have it. Um, they had this like try starter kit which was like brilliant. It was around a thousand dollars at the time. If they still have it, I'm sure it's probably gone up a little bit. Um, but you would get like an inexpensive road bike, water bottle, cage, sleeveless wetsuit, tri kit, helmet, goggles, cap, race number, belt, you know, body glide, transition back. Like you get, like you could go to the starting line with this kit. Yeah. And it was awesome. Like it was just such a like, you know, just come on in and you know, we'll take you through the sizing and, um, and all that stuff. So it, as a salesperson, it was super easy because, you know, you don't have to piece everything together. And, and I think a lot of people, a lot of beginners, like if you're listening to this, you're probably a beginner. Um, you know, you hear that triathlon is just this expensive sport and it is, it can be, it can be a very expensive sport. Yeah. Um, and I'm not trying to minimize like a thousand dollars is not nothing. And, you know, of course there's race entry fees and things like that too. Um, but the thing that shocked a lot of the customers I had that came in were, um, you know, oh, I thought, well, well, the first thing, my favorite thing as a salesperson was, I'm not a professional. I don't need a $10,000 bike. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a salesperson, you're always like, I didn't think you were a professional, first of all. Like, no offense. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> well, we're only three minutes into the gear section and Chris is cutting it already. I'm taking burns on people. But, but you know, <laughs> I, I know what they were saying. It, I know they weren't implying that they were a professional. I think they were just trying to, you know, yeah. a little bit of an icebreaker kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, there was some truth to it. They believe, well, you know, everyone is so fast. We see Ironman. We see, you know, um, Hawaii, cha- you know, Ironman championships. We see these amazing bikes and these pros on them. And, you know, it's got to cost a fortune. And, like, and yes, that stuff does cost a fortune. Like, you know, I, I reviewed tons of $10,000 bikes and above in the last, you know, 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and people buy them. And, it's, and they're awesome. Um, but for sure, you don't need that to do your first try or your fourth try. You know, right. Um, and I think it, and I think it just gets, it can be for a newcomer, it can be overwhelming, just like the sheer volume of kit and, and equipment and gear that you need. Right. And just knowing what is knowing what's absolutely essential in order to right. do your first try and knowing what's kind of like peripheral and maybe could come along, you know, that can be introduced at a later date. You right. know, like for, for example, when I first started, I, this is, I'm not sure I should admit this publicly, but <laughs> I had, 
on my nightstand next to my bed when I was a beginner, I had a little wish list of gear that I wanted. So I had my I had my uh-huh. key stuff that I that I that I had that I uh, that could get me through a sprint distance, and then I had a little wish list, like a little Christmas list of mm. things that I wanted, like as you know, the funds became available or whatever. Yeah. Um, and and so that was like my little like tri kit wish list that sat by my bed, and I'd add things to it as I you know. Each morning I woke up or went to bed, whatever. And so there you go. Like I had the bike, I had a wetsuit, I had right. the run shoes, whatever. And then other things that came later. Yeah. Oh, I um, love that. That's yeah. awesome. Like that, I was, I was a tri geek. Like, well, still am probably. But yeah, I mean, we're both um, working at Triathlete Magazine, so yeah. So yeah, I'd probably be in the wrong job if I wasn't. But yeah. Um, yeah. So do you want to do you want to give us an idea of what you consider to be some of those essentials? What would be on your list of things as a beginner that you absolutely need to have or bo- or borrow? I guess like yeah. in order to get through your first race. Well, absolutely. But before I do that. I love mm-hmm. that idea of a wish list. I think that is super <laughs> cool. I mean, like, because, because like you were saying, there are things you need to get from, you know, like waking up and saying, I think I'm going to do a triathlon in six months or eight months or whatever it is mm-hmm. to the finish line. Like they're yeah. absolutely essential. And we'll get to those in a second. Um, but I think setting up a list of like next priorities. And we've, we actually did that in our, um, our buyer's guide. We, get, we did something yeah. kind of similar where it's, mm-hmm. it's like you need this you might need this in a year. You yeah. might want this in a year. You know, those are right. all very different things. And I think yeah. us as Americans sometimes lose sight of what we want and what we need. But, um, but I think that's a really good way to do it. I think making a list and, you know, so we'll get into some of those, those absolute essentials. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you need a bike. Okay. Yep. You can borrow a bike. Um, yep. You do not need hear this beginners you do not need a tri bike to do your first triathlon no way no. i don't even honestly i think i probably did at least five triathlons before i got a tri bike at least mm-hmm. probably more yeah um i yeah so you could do it on a mountain bike you could do it mm-hmm. like we have the hermosa beach triathlon here um in la and people do them on cruisers all the time you know yeah. and they, they still have a ton of fun like they're probably not going to win but again you know like the whole I'm not a professional thing. Like you're not going to win your first triathlon. Like I didn't win my first triathlon. I don't know. Did you? I'm okay. No. Okay. Good. Not. I was going to say, if you're was just he, like, yeah, was I, I, I was, I'm going to look like an idiot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was a moment of uh, apprehension when I asked Taxi you. Taxi yeah. to <laughs> That's strike two. Um, okay. So Chrissy <laughs> Wellington won her first triathlon, but yeah, but then she's, yeah. Like she's a freak, an exceptional athlete, yeah. once in a generation, once in a lifetime type, type right. athlete. So right. yeah, so the majority of us mere, mere mortals are gonna. Yeah, you can rock up to your first race. You can do it on whatever. In fact, yeah. I think her story is like she borrowed a wetsuit that didn't fit. She borrowed a bike that wasn't, yep. you know, didn't fit correctly. Um, all those things. So yeah, I mean, everybody's story. I think a lot of people have a story of their first race where they borrowed kit that wasn't optimal. But absolutely, and and you know yep. what? Like that's that's kind of part of the fun of it. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like things are going to go wrong. I coach high school cross country too. And I always tell the kids, it's like, you know, the reason you have your first race is so that you can have a better second race. It's not, mm. you can win it, you know, mm-hmm. like you, the best way to learn is to make mistakes. And the same yeah. thing with your gear, like, right. like, you know, we'll walk you through some stuff to make sure that you don't make mistakes on every race. But, um, but you know, just, you need a bike, you need a helmet. Okay. Mm-hmm. The helmet needs to fit. The helmet yep. needs to be current. It can't be old. That's you can have an old bike that just kind of rolls and is mechanically sound and is safe, but you need a helmet that you've bought in the last three years, basically. Yeah. Um, a ten to fifteen year old helmet 
it's garbage, it's broken down, um, it's not going to protect you in a crash. So that's that's one of the ones where I'm like, Meh, get a helmet. They're not expensive. You know, yes. if one's good. Um, because that's, that's just a safety thing. Um, if you do borrow a bike or you have an old bike you're using, get it checked out and buy a mechanic, 30 bucks, basic tune up, almost any yep. mechanic can do that. Yep. Um, that's another safety thing. You do not need a wetsuit. Um, but we'll talk about why you'd want one in, in a few minutes. Um, but well, I guess you, know, you might, if the water's cold, right? If the water's cold, but yeah, just do a little research. My rule mm -hmm. of thumb is if it's under 75 you 75 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, you're going to be chilly. If it's under mm -hmm. 70, you're going to be quite chilly. If it's under 65, you, you mm -hmm. pretty much need a wetsuit. Like, mm -hmm. um, under 60, don't go in that water. If you don't have a wetsuit, no. like, you'll actually no run into trouble. Yeah. Um, so like 75 is kind of my, like, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable at 75 yeah. without a wetsuit. Yeah. Um, I mean, you obviously need goggles. Um, you know, you'll need, running shoes and, and we'll talk about some of these things where you can kind of skimp a little bit um mm -hmm. and where you can't but you obviously need running shoes not you know skateboard shoes not um you know tennis like actual tennis tennis shoes or basketball shoes or something like that like they need to be running shoes yeah. um but you know there's not a whole lot else that you need um mm -hmm. there's a lot of other stuff that'll make it fun um or more comfortable but uh, you know it's it's pretty basic when you when you boil yeah. it down um yeah but yeah, so th those are, I mean, those for me were the basics. And like I said, that starter kit had way more than that. And that was just a thousand dollars. So, yeah. you know, I mean, you could, you could get into the sport for under 500 if you got used stuff or borrowed stuff or, um, or all that. So, um, yeah. And I guess a common question that we get too is like what to wear in terms of like, you know, do you wear one piece? Do you wear a two piece? But an, an understanding that you're obviously going to wear the same outfit from start to fit. Well, for the most part, most people are going to wear the same outfit from start to finish. So like a tri-suit yeah. or something that you put, you know, if you're wearing a wetsuit, you have, you put on your tri-suit at the start of the race and that stays, that stays on throughout the entirety of the race. So obviously yeah. like, a lot of people don't know that, like that, that's, that's a big, um, while it's not something that is a requirement um, in terms of comfort and just lack of frustration, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. you'll be faster if you wear the same thing the whole time through and you'll be more comfortable if it's something that's built for triathlon, you know, a, mm -hmm. a dedicated tri suit, something that's going to have, you know, a, a pad, um, you know, for your underparts is probably the best mm -hmm. way to put it. Um, but something that's not so bulky, like on a pair of cycling shorts, that when you're running or swimming, you're just going to be in like chafe city. Yeah. Um, and, you know, cause you don't want to be, I mean, you can change in and out of stuff. Um, but honestly, speed aside again, okay. You're not trying to win whatever, but you, it's, it's another thing to think about, you know, it's yeah. another thing to forget. It's another thing to, yes. oh, you know, I left it there or here, or how do I put this on? I'm frustrated. I'm wet. I'm, you know, your heart rate's high. Um, like that, that you, you want to minimize your frustration. Like, you know, even if it's yeah. your first race, that's, you know, um, but there, here's the thing. So there's a bunch of, um, you know, like kind of bargain stuff that mm -hmm. I, that, you know, I've kind of seen over the years, um, as a gear editor and it's not always the stuff that makes it into like our swoon section, um, right. of no, our magazines. Right. Yeah. Um, but like we we're talking about, uh, tri suits. So like mm -hmm. for tri suits, if you just need, use your first race and you're like, I don't know if I need a tri suit or not, decathlon. Mm -hmm. The brand yes. decathlon. Just that's exactly what I was it. thinking about. Yes. Yeah, like yeah, like normally I'm like ah, you know, maybe get it, maybe don't. Look, you can get like a full tri suit for under fifty bucks. I think they it's, have it's tops and bottoms for like fifteen. Yeah. 
Like that's yeah. wild. And they're good. I mean, they're yeah. not like, you know, they're not going to shave minutes off your time with their aerodynamic properties, but like, you know, you're not going to be uncomfortable in them. Um, yes. I tested a bunch of the women's ones. I think it was last summer. And like I was, I compared to suits that are like three times, four, five, six times the price, some of them. Um, you, I wouldn't want to do an Ironman in one, right? right but you right. could, for a race that's like a sprint or Olympic. Yeah. Even a half? And, and, yeah. And, and, you know, you don't want to go spend a fortune on something that you don't know it's going to actually, right. you know, right. you're not sure you're going to do any more triathlons. You, you might not stick with it. First one. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think, yeah, that's decathlon is a good call. For oh sure. my gosh. It's like, I mean, a lot of our American listeners are like decathlon. What are you talking about? It's a brand. Okay. It's, um, we call it like the Trader Joe's of sporting yes. goods because it's yeah. like it's cheap but it's not terrible it's not like your um you know like grocery outlet where it's like you know a few weeks old or you know like a second hand or something like that um for those of you who know what grocery outlet is uh but it's like you know it's still good but for some for whatever reason it's literally like a third of the price of yeah. anything else not even like half price like a third it's yeah so cheap yeah it's um, an, i think it's originally a french brand but they yeah. came into the u.s probably a couple years ago i want to yeah. say they started coming into the u.s but yeah, yeah. so that's definitely a top bargain no, i think no. that's a top bargain Jeez. shopping tip but and any I, any I would, others like that yeah or, i mean um i would say oh one thing with decathlon check back often because they're often out of stock which mm -hmm. you know whatever but i think they get more and more as they go so you know don't give up if you don't see what you have or what you want. Yeah. Um, yeah. For bikes, you know, we were talking about getting bikes under $1,000. Um, a Kind of a hot tip is bikesdirect.com. And just <laughs> so every, every listener knows, none of the things we're listing or talking about today have anything to do with this program. These are just things that I've noticed as yep. I've gone. This is not, yep. you know, uh, better and faster sponsored by bikesdirect.com. This is just right. like- We're not sponsored me. by Decathlon. Right. And we're not sponsored by, yeah. Right. Bikesdirect.com would probably not sponsor this program, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but so anyway, like, you know, you can get like 500 bucks for a road bike on that website. Okay. And it's not garbage. Like you'll probably mm -hmm. want a different one, you know, in a couple of years if you stick with it. Mm -hmm. Um but you know, you're getting an aluminum frame. It'll get you through your race. It'll be a new bike. So you won't have to worry about, you know, anything falling off or, you know, mm -hmm. um, old tires if you're borrowing. Um, so I love that bikesdirect.com. I think, I think you have to assemble them. Um, but if you bring it to a bike shop, a bike shop will assemble it for probably 50, 80 bucks, something like that. So you're still mm -hmm. saving a ton of money. Yeah. Um, in terms of wetsuits, I know that was kind of one of the things we were like, there are occasions where you have to have a wetsuit, you know, if it's under... Yeah. 75 really um and most all athletes are going to want to get to a wetsuit at some point yes um uh, my like big go-to for wetsuits for bar uh, like bargain shopping is synergy mm -hmm. um they i think they have a 180 dollar one the volution um they have one that's under 300 that's really nice too you can find them on amazon you can get it in like a couple days mm -hmm. um but we like our every time we do a wetsuit roundup synergy ends up like punching way outside of its weight class every time someone's like i had to quadruple check the price i thought this was like a 400 wet, uh, wetsuit or whatever Interesting. Um, so those are my big ones like for wetsuits synergy yeah. Um, bikes, bikedirect.com and then clothing. And actually I think decathlon might even have bikes, but I don't know anything about them. Um, but for clothing, decathlon for sure. For sure. Yeah. And an interesting little segue that interesting little tangent about wetsuits is I know having tested wetsuits a bunch, especially in the UK, 
some, sometimes, obviously, entry level wetsuits are one thing, but like the mid, the difference between the price and mm-hmm. what you get when it comes to mid level and top level. Mm-hmm. Obviously, beginners aren't necessarily going to dive in and buy a top level right. wetsuit, but it is worth doing the research and to try and borrow or test you know, different brands yes. because the difference. I think the difference between a midpoint wetsuit. And a top, you know, like a twelve hundred dollar wetsuit, sometimes isn't all it's cracked up to be. Like no. it's worth, it is worth testing out if you can testing out a bunch of different brands. I, I think um, even as a, you know, even at an entry level wetsuit um, price point, it's no, worth because they're all they all fit differently and they all fit differently based on people's bodies and yes. you know, like testing testing them is worth it. Yeah, and and the funny thing that people don't understand, this is still on a tangent, but like the difference between a, a mid and high end wetsuit sometimes is actually, I mean, it'll be way more flexible generally, but mm-hmm. those high-end wetsuits, and actually this goes for mid-end too, um, they're more delicate. Yeah. So like, yeah. like you'd think, okay, I'm spending all this money, this is going to last me forever, right? Like a mm-hmm. car, for instance. Like yeah. that's generally the rule. You know, you buy a more expensive mm-hmm. car, it's going to, you know, you're going to get more miles out of it. But in fact, those like, basically like that 600 and up wetsuit thing, they are so fragile. Like, yes. like brands yep. ship white literally white cotton gloves with them mm-hmm. so that when you put them on you don't tear them with your nails like yeah you know and that's just the function of how they're made and you know they are really race wetsuits and you know they're not going to last more than a couple seasons um but the entry-level ones like man you can you can beat those up like we used yeah. to we used to rent out wetsuits and there are um wetsuit rental places that that's another yes that was something else i was going to think about yeah because yeah. i know that, that used to be a big thing in the uk but then like the price of the price of the entry-level suits came down so it didn't yeah, really it makes sense. make a huge m- m- you know, amount of sense economically but yeah. um yeah but that is a good option right yeah. if you don't want to you don't necessarily want to shell out a bunch of money for a brand new wet so you can rent one and then that's also a good way to test out different brands too yes exactly yeah that's kind of where i was kind of going with that a little bit like i mean first of all when we rented out wetsuits at trilab and this again was years ago um we only rented out the entry-level ones and a big reason was because they were tougher um mm-hmm. but yeah that new- neoprene is thicker which makes them that much more exactly, resilient to exactly. fingernails and yeah yeah um where was i going oh but the uh but testing them out um, that was another thing that, that Trilab did. And also, again, Trilab is not sponsoring this. In fact, I haven't talked to those guys in a while. I probably should. But um, What's funny is I used to be sponsored by Trilab. So, really? yeah, this is going to, yeah. I, I will too, so, mostly because I work there. So, <laughs> And this is weird. This is weird. I was going to jump in and say this when you said it, but Helen's by, uh, Helen Cycles was where I had my foot. When I first landed in the U.S. back in 2012, Helen Cycles uh, was where I had my first homestay, like the guy that owned Helen Cycles. So, um, oh my gosh, wait, there's this you weird Jay. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jay Wolf. Yes. <laughs> there's yep. the so name we, that goes the, back. The world, the tri world, is so small. You're always two degrees. <laughs> there's two degrees of separation. So here we are on a podcast <laughs> ten years later talking about Helen Cycles and Trilab, and yeah, Lloyd at Trilab and yeah. um, Jay at Helen Cycles. Yeah. So. Yeah. But they didn't. They didn't sponsor this show. But no, there you go. Say, for, for all of our listeners, this is none of this was planned. We're all just like, oh, sorry, just <laughs> catching up on air here and um, <laughs> doing a little nostalgia run. Um, <laughs> it's but, all good. It's you know, yeah. The gear, the gear stuff gets boring sometimes. People oh wanted a little. Uh, I, yeah, I need a break from the gear stuff sometimes. Believe me. Um, but we were talking about wetsuit fits. Um, we were. Sorry, and, and, no, and it's and how great it is to be able to try them on, um, and you know. I think that goes for, there's a few kind of bits of gear where, you know, I, like I was saying before, you know, just use whatever, rock up to whatever. Um, but for sure, trying on a wetsuit is important. 
Um, and I think a lot of beginners, I remember when I worked at the shop, a lot of people would say, um, oh my gosh, it's so tight. It's so tight. I feel like I can't breathe. I need a bigger one. I need two sizes bigger than this. And yeah. we generally size them right. Like, you know, it was pretty rare and we're like, wow, we were way off. You know, you're right. This is, this is off. Um, but the thing about wetsuits is a, if you can try a few on, that's mm -hmm. huge. Yeah. Um, B, when you wear a wetsuit in the water for the first hour, the neoprene itself and the seams and the, all the sealant and everything, it actually loosens. Mm -hmm. um, so the wetsuit you're wearing in the store or when you first put it on, when you get it in the mail or whatever, is not going to feel like the wetsuit you have after a couple swims in it. Yeah. Um, so we always recommended people, you know, go for a swim before you decide to send it back. Or, you know, if you really want to throw it in the bathtub, Yes, that's what hour. I was about to say. Yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah. a classic triathlete move, classic yeah. new triathlete move. Um, yeah. Because you really want that, uh, you know, you really need a good seal in the neck. Yeah. Um, if, it, if it's so loose in the neck where you're like, hey, this feels like my favorite t-shirt, that wet mm -hmm. is trash. Like it's, it's not. It's going to let in so much water and you're going to so be dragging much. around half the ocean with you as you try and swim. So Exactly. And you're going to be freezing and you're going to be mm -hmm. frustrated. Um, same thing with the chest. Like if that's too loose, you've got too much air in the chest and the lower mm -hmm. back, for instance. Um, sometimes you get it a little bit in the sides, kind of under the arms. Um, it's not going to work. So it, yeah. it should be snug and you should feel maybe slightly uncomfortable for, you know, if you're just trying it on for the first time in the shop. Um, yeah. but like you were saying, every brand has a different fit. Um, yeah. some brands are known for, you know, fitting certain ways. And we generally try to talk about that in our reviews, but mm -hmm. you know, talking to friends and stuff or borrowing theirs or trying theirs on or, you know, whatever, um, is always a good way to go. So yeah. that, that's the one thing, you know, with wetsuits, um, you know, and then I kind of touched on it before, uh, with running shoes. Like that's one of the ones where I'm like, don't go to a sporting goods store. Don't just buy blindly online. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I was talking about bikesdirect.com and obviously that's pretty cheap, but, but like for me, and I never worked in a running shoe store, so none of this is self-serving. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, go to a specialty running store. Yes. I think that like, okay, I'll, you know, spoiler alert, they're probably going to be 20% more expensive than something you could find online, mm -hmm. maybe um, 10 to 20 but what is that like 20 bucks, 30 bucks and, and the service you're going to get from someone who is a runner, you know, who yeah. talks to lots of runners, who's seen lots yeah. of runner bodies and gates and um, yeah. styles of running and who's going to know, you know, are you doing a marathon? No. Are you doing your first 5k? Maybe. Are yeah. you doing a triathlon? Yes. Um, so they're going to be able to point you in the right direction. Like that, that to me is like, do not save a couple bucks on that one yeah and quite often the best run stores will have a treadmill inside yep. where like if you're really if you're really talking to somebody who knows their stuff they'll get you they'll throw you a pair of socks they'll put the, the like the shoes on that you're you're interested in and they'll put you on the treadmill and you know that's, i think that's a sign of a really good run store Absolutely. and they'll they'll see you run and they'll watch you run and uh, i mean i know a lot of run stores also sell like gate analysis type yeah. things too which obviously is maybe may a bit too much for your first one but right. it's all worth knowing that like if you're inside a good run store there'll be a treadmill and there'll be somebody who can advise you Absolutely. on whether the, those shoes are the right ones for you and and your run style and your run gait and all the rest of it so yeah and i think like you're saying that's a good sign like even yeah. if the treadmills are there and they're they're trying to sell you on a gait analysis and you're not interested mm -hmm. in that the fact that they know that exists the fact yeah. that they you know that they understand that's a concept yeah. um like that's just such a like 
yeah, that's like green light, you know, like yes. yeah, that's the place. That's, I mean, yeah, that's definitely something good to look for, I think. Yeah. And and people encouraging you to try them before you buy them is also yes. huge. Like I, yeah. I always tell my cross country kids like, you know, okay, you're going to save what, 20 bucks by buying online. But, you know, physical therapy costs a lot more than 20 bucks. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I was about to say. Like in the long run, the uh, economies of scale here, like right. how much does it cost you when you get, you know, some kind of Achilles injury or some kind of ITB problem? Like that's going to cost you a whole lot more money to try and fix right. than right. 20, and bucks, could, 20 bucks more on a pair of shoes. Right. And it could throw you right out of your race and whatever. So Right. And it's um, just miserable. Yeah. And it sucks. Yeah. Nobody likes that. Um and then the other thing, you know, kind of we're talking about gates and fits and, um, you know, expertise and stuff is even though I was talking about bikesdirect.com, I mm -hmm. still really like to push um, even beginners getting a bike fit. Yeah. And I yeah. think some of our listeners are going to argue or like disagree with me on this. Like, oh, bike fit is for when you're, you know, you're going to Kona, you're going to Hawaii Ironman, you know, you're going to 70.3 Worlds and you want to just get it just right. No. Like, like if you can get a bike fitter who will do a size consultation before you shop on bikesdirect.com, many of them will, you know, maybe yeah. if they're not attached to a bike shop um, or maybe even if they are, you know, they're willing, you know, willing to spend a couple bucks to do that. Like getting that size correct is it's more difficult than you think. You know, I yeah. hate to, I hate to break it to people who have all these online size calculators and stuff like, look, mm -hmm. that's to, to sell you something. Okay. Yeah. And that's a generalization. Um, but everyone's different, you know, like yeah. all of our bodies are different. So, so if you can get a bike fitter to help you with a size consultation before you buy yeah. your first bike, that's yeah. huge. And most people will do that. Yeah. Um, and you will have that information forever. You know, like yes. that doesn't just apply to the bikesdirect.com thing or your first, you know, whatever cheap bike you buy. Um, yeah. and then from once, once you buy that bike, go back to them and get a mm -hmm. fit. Like yeah. it's going to cost you 50 to hundred bucks, maybe. Even if it's a $400 bike, like my thing is, it drives me crazy. I see people all the time out riding $5,000 bikes with a 10 cent fit. And it's like, what is the point? What, what, yeah. Why did you spend all that money? You, are, you yeah. have burned money. And again, like you're going to get injured quicker. You know, yeah. you're going to get knee stuff. You're going to get lower oh, back yeah. stuff. You're going to get neck stuff, hands. You can get issues with your hands if you're not set up right. Um, obviously just the comfort in your butt, you know, yeah. like seats too high. And the overall, and the overall experience too. Oh, like, yeah. you, you know, riding a bike is fun, right? Riding right. a bike when it's comfortable and, and you feel fast and you feel good and everything feels optimal. Like that's really, that's a fun experience, especially if you're racing, you know, and everything feels dialed in. And, and the peace of mind and the confidence that comes from knowing that you've gone to a bike fitter, especially as somebody who's starting out, uh, you know, I think like a bike fit would cost, I don't know, around here, it would probably cost you like 250 or 300 bucks, maybe, maybe more. Mm. Um, and, but I think that's such a good investment when you first oh, start yeah. out, um, oh, yeah. you know, You're gonna enjoy it and, it's, and like you say, it's not something that's reserved for the Kona qualifiers or the, you know, if you've made the age group world team or whatever, it's not, it's for, I think it's for everybody, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. and, and I think the chances are that you're going to enjoy it the whole, the whole thing a whole lot more if you've, yeah. yeah if you've invested that little bit of time and money. Yeah. Um, and it's, but yeah. It's totally an investment too, because it's not like you buy this bike, you get the fit. Now you're going to have to get another, you might want to, you know, they call it like a, a dial in for a new bike mm -hmm. or something like mm -hmm. that. But that's going to cost either less or almost nothing because mm -hmm. you take those numbers with you. Like, yeah. like because you get a different bike, your numbers more or less generally apply as long as you get the right size and nothing's weird mm -hmm. about it. Um, 
So yeah, it's totally an investment. I mean, it, it, will, yeah. it, it sticks with you forever. It's like, it's like getting fit for a good suit. You know, you have those, those numbers, those measurements, you can get a good suit again, assuming you don't, you know, balloon up or lose a ton, yeah. of, oh, a ton of weight or whatever. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's, it's humongous. And, and this is from someone again, who has tested $10,000 bikes, ridden $15,000 bikes and a thousand dollar bikes. And if the $15,000 bike doesn't fit right, if it's not set up oh, right, yeah. You're going to be miserable. There's nothing it yeah. can do. There's nothing it yeah. can do for you, um, yeah. you know, to fix all that stuff. Um, yeah. So absolutely, yeah. completely agree. Um, so like going to, going back to my little triathlon wish list that I had when I was in, when I was a newbie, and um, yeah, so obviously there was a lot of things on there that were about all about upgrades. You know, upgrading. Mm. What's what's optimal? What do you need? What's what would you like to have? What's completely like pie in the sky wish list dreaming? Um, what are the sort of things that you advise people when they're looking to upgrade um, and that you're going from that, like, Oh, I've done a few races. I'm enjoying this. I know that I want to do more. Like, yeah. What are the, what are the best ways to kind of upgrade and, and where should you be sort of putting that cash? So I, I like to think of it like, what do you want to do with your upgrade? Do you want to mm -hmm. be more comfortable or do you want to be faster? And there's some stuff that kind of intersects, you know, that, that mm -hmm. makes you comfortable and faster. Um, but for me, I always like to start with the comfortable stuff because yeah. sometimes when you're comfortable, you go faster, like yeah. whether or oh, not, that, you know, like whether or not that gear is made to make you go faster, you will go like, you will go faster. If you're sitting on your bike in a more comfortable position, you're not tense. You're not, you know, mm -hmm. you're not just gripping the bars because you're, you're suffering in your, your mm -hmm. butt or whatever. Um, so my, the first thing I usually look towards is like a nicer tri kit. Yeah. Because that's something that'll affect your swim, bike and run. It tags yeah. all three. Um, yeah. you know, it's going to have a higher end chamois, you know, the pad underneath you, it's going to have more panels of fabric. So it's going to fit you better. Um, it's generally going to have more, you know, wicking, uh, fabric. I mm -hmm. like DeSoto for that kind of upgrade. I like yep. Zoot for that kind of upgrade. And when I say upgrade, yep. I'm talking about like a, a 100 to $250 tri suit. I'm not talking about mm -hmm. 300, 400, five, like there's other brands yep. that do that. Great. Um, but those two I love, um, mm -hmm. higher end wetsuit, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, that mid range, almost like a low mid, mm -hmm. um, zone three has some good ones for mm -hmm. that kind of 300 yep. range, um, synergy. I talked about them before for their low end, but they have a great 300 ish, mm -hmm. um, wetsuit and, and those ones won't shred apart if you're not super careful with them. Um, okay. like we talked about, um, the other thing especially when it comes to bike clip in tri shoes or clip in shoes yeah. in general, like that, yeah. that's something that you absolutely do not need for your first or third try. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you can do it in your running shoes with flat pedals or, or cages or, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. but I, I think clip in shoes is definitely a next step for anyone, um, yeah. who wants to bike more. I like a lot of people like Shimano cause they're, they have some pretty inexpensive ones. Um, if you want to go a little nicer, the fit of CD, CD makes a really nice fitting one for like two to 300. Um, I've also loved Bont. This is a super weird brand. Um, Bont has one that's just like completely mispriced. I'm always looking for stuff that's mispriced. Like this should cost $400. I think they have one for like two, 250 that feels like a $400 pair of carbon shoes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Who doesn't like that? I know. I love, I just, so, so get those and, you know, a pair of pedals, the pedals don't matter too much. Look does a good job. Um, yeah. Shimano's low end does a good job that those are, you know, less cause you're not really touching those. Um, I, I don't worry about those, but those will cost you probably a hundred, 200 to get that whole system set up. Um, yep. and then if you're going for faster, uh, 
the the obvious next step up is a tri bike. Um, yes. You know, we we talked about how you don't need a tri bike, but if you want to go faster, I mean, a tri bike is going to make you versus a road bike or a mountain bike so mm-hmm. much faster. Yeah, aerodynamics um, and yeah. all that good stuff. Yeah, it puts you in a better position, both aerodynamically, but also, you know, like over the pedals in a better way. Um, I've got kind of a list of ones that I like to go from low to high. And I'm actually going to write this up probably in the next couple of weeks because these brands have changed so much. Um, Kestrel, Talon X, $1,700, carbon tri-bike, original carbon company, boom. Like I, I've ridden that bike. It's a great bike. It, you mm-hmm. know, $1,700 for carbon bike. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, A2, uh, they're kind of a smaller brand. They do direct to yeah. ship. Um, they have an entry-level carbon tri-bike, I think 1900 now. Um, that one can get a little more aggressive than the Talon X. So if that's mm-hmm. something you're thinking about. Um, and then some of the bigger names like Specialized, you know, they have a Shiv Sport for 2200. Um, that one's going to be like deeper tubes, more aerodynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, BMC Time Machine 2, that one's going to be even more kind of tri-specific. It's going to have like rear storage. That's 2500 bucks, I think. And then um, Argon 18, which you don't see a lot of here in the US. Um, they have the E117. That one's pretty aggressive with kind of a unique frame. 2600 bucks so mm-hmm. you know there's so some good price points there for those for those yeah. bikes yeah i mean you're looking at five bikes all right around 2500 down to 1700 um yeah and you could ride those like i've ridden probably three quarters of those and i would f- feel fine doing a 70.3 with those like with no yep. modifications um right I, i'd probably change some stuff if i wanted to do an iron um but you know it wouldn't be the worst um yep. And then, the, and then if you're looking for like, you know, you want to upgrade more, kind of the next step in tri bikes, that three to four thousand dollar range, you've got stuff like, you know, Canyon Speedmax CF7 disc. That's new. That's awesome. Um, Cervelo P series, Felt B series. Those are like, those ones are really a sweet spot, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Before you jump up to the six to eight thousand or whatever, and we we won't get into that at all. Um, yeah. But but those are you know, kind of a good place to start for getting faster. Um, right. And then, you know, once you've got your tri bike carbon wheels, that's kind of the next thing for just that will shave lots of time off. Um, yeah. And I know like Hunt has good ones for under 2000. I've reviewed Profile has some good ones for under 2000. Um, Swiss Side has some good ones for under 2000. So, you know, you're looking for that thousand to two thousand dollars for carbon wheels. But, yeah. 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 But lots good- of, believe me, there's a world, a universe of things that will make you faster. <laughs> oh, there is. Yeah, yes. We could go welcome, on for hours, but th- those, are the, yeah, those are like kind of the top line things. Like when I think yeah. about, you know, a budget conscious upgrade, that's kind of yeah. what I think about. Okay. So closing question for you, Chris, gear, gear and otherwise, when you were first starting out, what was something that you wish you'd known that you know now? Oh my gosh. Something, you know, maybe from your first, something you learned from your first race. Okay. Something- so I ran a lot before I did my first try and I had never experienced chafing that, <laughs> that I did after an ocean swim. <gasps> and then it was a sprint. I did ocean swim, rode a bike with a big seat and running shorts and then Ooh. did the run in the run, the same running shorts. So I just, I think I had a speedo and I put the running shorts over the speedo because I was embarrassed and then used that combo for the rest of the race. It was like, wow. I mean, there were holes probably in the sides of my thighs, like where there should have been. 
more Chris. There was less Chris after that race. <laughs> oh, poor Chris. Yeah. So Jeez. body glide, body glide. That was something I forgot to say. Get body glide, everyone. Um, yes. And this show should be sponsored by body glide. Oh my God. Everything should be sponsored by body glide. Um, my yeah. life should be sponsored by body glide, but yes, body glide <laughs> and cycling shorts and the tri kit, like we talked about early on. That, those are nice. Wish. Well, wish I'd have. Well, yeah, I think yeah, I think we all wish we'd knew about known about Body Glide a long a long long time ago. But yeah, thank goodness for that. Yes. Okay, well, on that note, we will glide out of the gear section. And uh, thank well you very much for joining us. All all good. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, EK. Okay, hopefully by now you are a little more in the know when it comes to starting out in try. Thank you for joining us on this month's Fitter and Faster. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Fitter and Faster by Triathlete wherever you listen to your pods. And if you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate and review us. It helps us out and it helps others like you to find us. We'll be back next month when we talk all things open water swimming. But until then, happy training. Happy training.